use me to communicate your word and your heart. God, I pray that the distractions that would be in my mind would um, just go away. They would be very dim as I seek your spirit and your direction. And God, as I speak, I pray that the distractions of this week, the things that are coming up this coming week, God, I pray that those things would be set aside by everyone listening right now. And God, we would just focus in on you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We thank you that you do. And we lift this message and this service up to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've been in a series, like I mentioned, called Centered. And it's been all about um, putting at the center of who we are, the kingdom of God, and every kingdom has a king, and that king is Jesus Christ, and what that looks like, and we've been talking about the different aspects of that. If you uh, have not been here, you can go to our Facebook page, Shine Church CO for Colorado, and just click on the video tab, and we have all of our messages right there where you can listen to them. Um, and last week, Pastor DJ Smith spoke, and he talked about dying to self. That was a really good message, yes? I mean, he said it was super easy. All that we need to understand is that God wants to kill us. I mean, that's, I mean it's a really easy one to you know, receive and take in. Uh, man, if you, <laughs> if you did not hear the message, go online and please um, listen to that because it was just really, really good. What I want to do this weekend, though, is I want to transition from centered talking about putting God at the center, I want to transition it to uh, where we're going to be going from here, and that is God-centered. And what I mean by the transition is we've been focusing on how to put Jesus at the core of who we are as a person, but now let's go into the practical aspects of life, and let's put God at the center of our fill-in-the-blank. So we're going to transition into uh, some messages, and we're not sure how long they're going to go. We're going to let the Holy Spirit lead, but we want to do some, some messages on God-centered marriage, God-centered relationships, God-centered finances, God-centered worship, God-centered, again, fill in the blank. And here's what's really neat. We took the survey that you guys gave in the first couple weeks of this year at shinechurch.life slash topics. And uh, we're putting those into the different things. And so some of, many of the things that you listed, that you put in there, we're actually going to hopefully talk about in the next few weeks as we start talking about God-centered fill-in-the-blank. But before we do that, I felt like God wanted me to set a foundation or a mindset for us as we head that way. And so I was reading um, in my daily devotion, and I want, you to, I, I want you to understand something. When I read daily, I try to very much separate what I'm reading for me personally from my study time for the weekend. You guys know the difference, right? There's times where um, I need to focus on what God has for Shine Church. And I have a Wednesday morning typically is when I do that. I just get lay out the Bible and start praying through where are we going as a church, and that's the focus. But every other day, I focus on me, on what God is speaking to me, and I read the Bible, and I try to keep those two separate, but uh, about a week and a half ago, I was reading for me, 
And I came across this verse in 2 Timothy, and um, it just jumped off the pages for me. And as I was praying through it, I believe the Holy Spirit said, hey, this isn't just for you. I want you to bring this to the church um, because this is uh, a foundational piece to bringing the God-centered living into our lives. And so here's the scripture, 2 Timothy 2.22. It says this, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. First thing I want to bring out this morning is this. In the second half, it says that we are supposed to do these things. We are supposed to pursue these things with one another. Yes? And so I want you to grab a hold of this. As we move forward into God-centered living, I want you to understand that in order for this to be effective and in order for this to work properly, we need to come at it with a mentality that this isn't just about me, but this is actually about us as a body of Christ. And we're going to pursue these things, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, but we're going to pursue them together. And here's what I believe that the Lord was just showing me as, as these words started jumping off the page, and that is this. There may, may be certain things that I'm strong at that you're not. And there are certain things that you are strong at that I'm not. And we have to embrace that mindset and we have to embrace that reality because if we don't, then here's what happens. We become prideful in the things we're good at and we become isolated in the things that we struggle at. True that. I like that. <laughs> I do not want any of us to become isolated. And I don't know what it is about human nature that when we find something in our life that we struggle, we pull away from people instead of pushing into people. Church, let's be a church that pushes into one another. If you're struggling, let somebody know. We got people in here that would love to help you. And you know what the interesting thing about this is? Is when you push into them and they help you overcome that, you may very well find that the very next week they have something that you're strong in, that they're struggling in, and you can actually pay it back. Or there may be somebody else inside the church. And so as I go forward in this message, I want you to understand that all these things I'm teaching, I am praying and my hope is that we would embrace this as a body of Christ and that we would do this together. Together. Man, open your mind to the idea of, hey, this whole, look at how many people are around here. Look, look in the room. Okay? The people in this room, for the most part, would love to help you. They would love to help you, as you would love to help others, especially if it's an area that you have strength in. And so just have your mind set open to that. So we do this together. The second thing that I want to talk about and what I'm going to spend the rest of the morning on is this. Could it be 
that there is a divine order in what is written here. And what I mean by that is this. I believe that the Bible is a carefully edited work of the Holy Spirit. Peter teaches us that it was written by men, but it was written by men as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all of my heart that as men wrote the word of God, that they wrote it through the divine direction of the Holy Spirit and that he put in the word of God exactly what he wanted, exactly how he wanted it, in the precise order that he wanted it. Now, I'm not gonna say that this is thus saith the Lord, but could it be that in 2 Timothy 2.22, when it says flee from youthful passions and pursue, could it be that there's a divine order that we need to understand with these four things? I would submit to you today that if you don't understand righteousness, you're gonna have a hard time receiving faith, and if you don't have faith, then you're gonna have a hard time loving, and if you can't love, you're gonna have a hard time having peace. And here's what's interesting, as I was thinking about this, I think a lot of times people start to pursue peace first, and if there's peace, well, then I'll love, then I can have faith, and I'll be made right. So here's what I wanna do, I wanna break these apart, and um, I want to use it as a foundation as we move forward into God-centered living, God-centered marriage, God-centered relationships, whatever it would be, God-centered family, whatever, ooh, God-centered parenting, right? I think we need to have this understanding of this order, and uh, got to be careful, because I never want to say, if you do this formula, then this happens. But there are certain things in the Word of God that when you live by them, Blessings come. And so I believe that if we live with this understanding, I think blessings flow. So let's, let's take a look at the first one. It says pursue righteousness. When I say the word righteousness, what comes to mind? Help me out. What? Holy living, okay, like that. What's another one? What'd you say? Doing right, okay, good. Living the way God tells you, okay? What else comes to mind when you think of righteousness? Jesus Christ, love that. Anybody else? Serving others, like that. It's good. Being in right relationship with Jesus, good. Right standing. All these are great answers. What? Integrity. Oh, I like that too. All of these things, and I think um, as we talk about these, I think all of these things uh, have truth to them, but deep down at the heart of who I am, I got to be honest with you. When I hear the word righteousness, I think about, boy, all the things I got to do. All the things that I have to do to be in right standing so that I can actually receive from God. And I want to tell you something, that if we have that perception, which I think a lot of people in the church do, I think, it, I think it sets us up to where we can't receive the things that God really has for us. And let me explain. Interestingly enough, in Matthew 6.33, which we used at the beginning of this series, seek the kingdom of God 
Remember we talked about putting the kingdom at the core of who we are? We, we either put ourselves at the center, we put others at the center, or we put the king at the center. The kingdom and the king Jesus at the center of our lives. But here's something that jumped out to me about this verse this week. It says, pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it's, it's two things that we're supposed to seek. And then it says, and then all these things shall be added unto you, right? So in regards to uh, God-centered finances or God-centered parenting, you want to know the answers to that? Well, then you need to first pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so it's important to understand, okay, so what is righteousness? Now, a few weeks ago, I told you that when I'm studying, I use a program called Bible Hub, and I still use that, but there's another one called blueletterbible.com. I want to write this down. Um, you can check it out even right now if you want to. Um, and you can follow along the notes at Bible.com with the U version. We have the notes if you want to follow and see these notes. Um, but blueletterbible.com. And, um, and here's what it says about righteousness, okay, when you look up the word in the Greek there. It says this, in a broad sense, broad sense, Righteousness is the state of him who is as he ought to be. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? State of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. In the Bible hub, it actually says judicial approval, verdict of approval, and then it says this, the approval of God, a divine approval. Now, I want you to understand that righteousness is not something that you obtain by doing things. Righteousness is a gift of God that comes because God so loved you that he gave his one and only son and he died on the cross so that you could have right standing with the Father. And you need to get this. Grab a hold of this. Understand this. Because I believe that if you don't, you're going to have a hard time pursuing faith, love, and hope, which we'll talk about in just a minute. A couple other verses that um, help me, help me to kind of shape this. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so real quick, who is God made him? Who is the him? Jesus. DJ did an incredible job talking last week that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he then died on the cross, but here's the beauty of the whole thing. Jesus suffered through prayer. I mean, he, 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 he was sweating blood because there was so much angst in him about this. And he went before the Lord and said, hey, if this is, if we can change this, like DJ talked, if we could change this, that would be great. But then he said this, but not my will, but yours be done. That's the hymn we're talking about. That's the hymn. I want you to grab a hold of this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Real quick, from that verse, what do you have to do? Based on this verse, what do you have to do to be righteous? Some people are saying nothing, but there is something that we need to grab a hold in this. 
Believe him. Yep, absolutely. But there's a word in here that we might become. I want you to become. I want you to be a human being, not a human doing, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Become, understand that Jesus so loved you that he gave up what his will was in order to do the Father's will so that we could have right standing with God. And when you understand this, here's what happens. We become like Christ. Oh, see, this is good. No, I got you thinking. God's heart, God's desire is that we would become more and more like Jesus. Romans 5.17, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. Now, speaking about Adam and Eve eating of the apple and the fact that the fallen world came in when they ate that apple, sin entered in. How much more, though, it goes on, will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Um, all right, it says that righteousness is a, I'm gonna try it again. Righteousness is a, it's a gift. Now, just real quick, I know Christmas is a, a month past already, but just think back. Did any of you parents make your kids earn their Christmas presents? <laughs> Did you have to do things to get your Christmas presents? No. Thank you. <laughs> it says it. Probably one of the most well-known verses of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave. I want you to understand that this is a gift given to you and I. It's not about what we do. It's about receiving the gift that came because of what Jesus did for us. And here's the interesting thing that happens. When we receive the gift, when we embrace that, when we take that in, we begin to realize that, man, what God has done for us is he's put us in right standing with the Father. Right standing with the Father. Other verses says, because of that act, and when we ask Jesus into our heart, it says that we have direct access to the Father. What does direct access mean? Help me. One on one. What else? You can stand before the throne. No barricades. Nothing in the way. Parents, do you give your kids direct access to you? Oh my gosh. We're definitely doing God-centered parenting. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Parents, do you give direct access to your kids to you? If we who are sinners understand this and give that, how much more does our Heavenly Father give to us? But do you wake up in the morning thinking, hey, I have a direct access to my dad? Or do you think I'm not worthy? 
and I got to get things straightened up, and I got to get things cleaned up before I can actually speak to my father. Here's the beauty. You know what? When I raise my kids, and even my kids who are 22 and 20 right now, you know what? Even if they mess up, they have direct access to me. Oh, this is good. We got to understand this. We've got to comprehend this, that because of what Jesus did, it puts us in right standing. And here's how this works. God no longer looks at us based on what we do or don't do, but God looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And as the song says, he makes us white as. Get this, please get this. I want you to wake up every morning going, I am white as snow. Not because of, I don't want you to do that in a prideful way, but I want you to understand how God sees you. Man, it's important to understand how your father sees you because when you grab a hold of that, you begin to put your life on the right path. You set your course the way that God wants you to set it. When you wake up in the morning and you think about how you have to be better or you have to do so many good things, it's the wrong path. Hebrews 5, I'm going to piggyback a little bit more onto DJ's message. It says this, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect... He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Two things that I want you to grab from this section of scripture, and the first one is this. What I'm asking you to do is put yourself in a mental place where you go, I have direct access to dad, and he thinks that I'm awesome. I am God's favorite, by the way. No, I am. No, I am. Here's the beauty we all get to be. God's big enough to make all of us his favorite, and we need to have that perspective and that mentality. But an interesting thing happens when we truly comprehend this. Because when we understand that, like Ephesians says, we're saved by grace and grace alone, not by works, so that no man can boast. It's that gift of grace. It's that gift of salvation that has been given to us based on solely what Jesus Christ did on our behalf. And when we grab a hold of that and when we realize that the wages of sin is death and so therefore we've been rescued from death, something interesting begins to happen in us. We begin to want to go to dad and say, what do you want us to do? Do you know that scripture that says we've been saved by grace? And grace alone and not by works so that no man can boast. Do you know what the very next verse is? Works. It says so that we can do the works that has been prepared for us to do. What? Let me put it this way. If you were walking out of this building and a car was coming, you didn't see it, and somebody pushed you out of the way and saved your life, would you be like, okay, whatever you need, I'll do. God has saved you from death. 
And it's not about doing things because you have to become worthy. It's about doing things because Jesus died for you. And the wages of sin are death, and he's saved you from that. And so therefore, when you truly get this, there's something in you that goes, oh, man, that's awesome. God, what can I do for you? And you begin to desire the things that God has for you. You desire to know. You want to hear from him. But it starts by having a right standing with him. And I know some of you probably have heard this, or some of you have probably already know this. But the last line there, it says this. And Jesus was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. On our identify pillar, we have the scripture in Peter which says that we are high priests, or we are priests. We are chosen generations, we are royal priesthood, which means this, you and I, because we ask Jesus in our heart, we have a priesthood in us. The question is, which priesthood do we have? Because there's the priesthood of Melchizedek, and then there's the priesthood of Aaron. It's called the Aaronic. Somebody told me last night, you should say that there's a third one, moronic priesthood. (laughs) But there's two. There's the Aaronic, and then there's the, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, here's what's interesting. If you think you're a priest under Aaron, it means that you have to do 613 different laws to make sure that you're right before God. And I think a lot of times people go, okay, yeah, I read that scripture, and I do believe that I am a chosen generation, a part of a chosen generation. I am a part of a royal priesthood, but it's based on 613 laws. And that's not the case. We are in a different priesthood, and Jesus died to give us that new covenant. And that new covenant is this, that we could have direct access to dad. And we have to get this. Understand this. I want you to think right. If you have thoughts that you have to obtain anything to get God's approval, I want you to take those thoughts captive and really ask Jesus, do I have to do this in order to earn your love? Because he's going to say, no, you have my love. You have my love. That's awesome. Grab a hold of this. Because if we don't, again, like I said earlier, I'm not sure that we get the next three, faith, love, and hope. So what is faith? Um, We talked about this a few months ago, but um, we'll see how how well the teaching team did. When I say the word faith, what comes to mind? Trust, okay. Confidence. Belief, certainty. What was it? I believe, did somebody say? My belief, okay. What else comes to mind? Future, like that. Let me change the question a little bit. If we were to go out downtown Castle Rock, um, let's say there's a group of people hanging out at uh, one of the parks, and we just went up to them and said, hey, what is faith to you? What kind of responses would we get from people? Huh? I like it. Lots of answers. Religion. Okay. What else? Blind belief. What else? Church. Absolutely. Somebody last night said weirdos. I am a weirdo. If that's what they think, I am a weirdo. 
Hebrews 11.6 says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. Dude. Dude. Think about that. It is impossible to please God without faith. So what is faith? Well, five verses earlier, he defines it. He says, faith is the confidence that we hope for, is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And then it says this, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I grew up and I memorized it this way, faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident of things unseen. Let's just be honest with you, or with one another. Um, I struggle being confident of things I can't see. Anybody? And yet, five verses later, it says it's impossible to please God unless we do this. And if faith is what the world says, that it's just this blind Indiana Jones over the chasm, and oh, good, there was something there. If you've seen those movies, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't, I'm sorry. But I always found it interesting in that, why didn't he take dirt and throw it out there first? But I think the world thinks that faith, and it's, it's infiltrated into the church. There are people listening to me right now that have the perception that faith is taking a blind step, and I don't think God wants us to take a blind step, and to be quite honest with you, if we take a blind step, um, and, and that's what we have to do to, to please God, because it's impossible without faith to please him, then I'm, I'm not in a good place. I am not in a good place because I have a problem being certain of things I don't see. But here's the good news. Paul also teaches us in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by and hearing by the word of. So in other words, it's impossible to please God without faith. And faith is being sure of things that we can't see, being confident of things that we hope for. But here's what he says. But guess what? I give you my word so that when you hear me speak, you can be confident and you can step out with that confidence in things that you can't see. Now get this. Hearing from God, would you guys all agree that hearing from God is important when it comes to faith? Let me submit to you that if you don't understand that you're in right standing with our Father, you will not be able to hear from God. Because you will go to the Bible and you will go to your prayer times and you will have this mentality, I can't hear from God until I fill in the blank. And you'll never be able to fill in all the blanks because not a single one of us will ever become perfect. And so if you don't have an understanding of how you are in right standing with God, it makes it incredibly difficult to hear from God. And then people will say things like this. Well, it's pastors who hear from God. There's a special anointing on pastors. They get a different level of the Holy Spirit than we do. And so I'll go to my pastor and I will have him tell me what God is saying. Okay, 
I grew up Catholic. That's what happened in the Catholic Church. You heard from the Pope, the bishop, the cardinal, the bishop, the priest, and that's how you heard from God. Now, I'm not, listen, I grew up Catholic. My dad still is Catholic. Just so you know, there are spirit-filled Catholics all the way to Latin-only Catholics. I am not saying anything against the Catholic Church, but what I am saying is that in a lot of religious places and in in the Catholic Church, I saw it, there's a whole lot of work mentality that you have to say certain prayers, you have to do certain things, you have to confess at certain times in order so that you can hear from God. And even then, it's not you getting to hear from God, it's from somebody above you. And if you've come from that background, you need to break that off of you. Because it's not about what another man hears from God, it's about what God wants to tell you. And if you don't have an understanding of where you stand with our Heavenly Father, it makes it almost impossible to hear from him because you have a works mentality that I have to do these things before I can hear. So please get this. This is why I come to you and I submit that maybe there's a divine order here because if we understand how God sees us, it sets our spiritual ears in a place to hear. And when we hear We can be confident of things that we don't see. And here's what I would submit, that at that point, now we can step out in love. Now, love is, as as we're praying through this, I, I believe love is the action step of understanding where you are with God, hearing from Him. Love is the action step that steps out and does what He asks you to do. So get this, as we go into this series, as we start talking about God-centered marriages, why don't we go to God and say, all right, God, what do you say about marriage? Corporately, what is the word of God? What does it say about marriage? Let's look into that and then let's go individually, understanding how God views that, what the right standing of marriage is for our lives, Then let's go personally and say, God, what do you want to speak to me about my marriage? And then let me go in love and apply it. And then the fourth one is this. It says to pursue peace. What is peace? Right standing what? Right standing with other people. Okay, I like that. Lack of conflict. Oh, how many would like that? Forgiveness, okay. Contentment. What was it over here? Tranquility, love that. Salvation. Sacrifice. Calm heart, calm spirit. Huh? Prepare for war. Marine, ooh, peace, prepare for war. Doesn't mean you're going to, but be prepared for peace. I think all of these are great answers. You look it up, though, and really go into the, the Greek of that, and it, it, you'll find this. It's wholeness. It's wholeness. All the things that you just said, if you have wholeness, you have those things. 
How many of you want wholeness in your marriage? How many of you want wholeness in your relationships? If you're single in here, how many of you want to just have a wholeness in being single right now? Serious. How about wholeness in parenting? Wholeness in your finances? How about having an understanding of wholeness, what that looks like in worship or in prayer or reading your word? See, I think a lot of times we pursue wholeness before we pursue these other things. And could it be that God has set a divine order and said, hey, understand who you are to me. Receive the instruction that I have for you. Be obedient and step out and apply that into your circumstances, into your areas of life. And if you'll do these things, a wholeness will be with you. Is it good? And so here's what I want to do as we move forward into God-centered living. I'm going to remind you as we teach that, hey, let's hear from God what his perspective of it is. Let's go individually and hear from him what he wants to speak to us. Let's then step out in love and apply that. And let's see what wholeness comes. And then it says, and let's do it together. Church, I can talk till I'm blue in the face up here. But if you do not take this home with you, and if you do not begin to apply this, then it just becomes words. Pray about this. Ask the Holy Spirit if there's life in this. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in your issues in your life. You know, there's a section of Scripture in Revelation that says this. See, I stand at the door and knock, speaking of Jesus. And a lot of times we use that verse in a salvation message. See, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who opens the door, I will come in. And we talk about salvation, and absolutely, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, God is knocking at your door and going, hey, I want to give you wholeness. And in order for you to get a wholeness, man, it starts by understanding that I sent my son to die for you. And you got to grab a hold of that. But I believe that in all the compartments of our life, Jesus stands and knocks at the door. And there are certain areas in my life that I've opened the door, he come in, and I know where I'm at, and I have wholeness there. And then there's other places in my life where the door is shut, and I, for whatever reason, won't open it. The enemy doesn't want us to receive this word. He doesn't want us to be whole, and he wants to keep us down. So first, he's going to try to steal this word from you, and if you can't do that, then he'll get you to focus on the areas that you're good so that you don't deal with the areas that you're bad. And ultimately, all he has is lies and deception. But here's what I've found in 25 years of being a pastor. I can look at somebody, hear them say things that go totally contrary to this book right here, and believe in all their heart they're hearing from God. They're deceived. I'm going to say something to you. I am deceived. 
There are certain areas in my life where I have yet to get good at understanding where I am in that area with God. Is that okay to say? Just being open and honest with you. There are certain thought patterns that I have that I just haven't been able to open that door to God. I don't know why. And here's the bad thing. I don't recognize them. You know who tells me? My wife. Boy, this is why it's important to do this together because as iron, as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another man's countenance. What is being said there? What is being said is, hey, you have blind spots and your friend, if you'll allow them to come in, your spouse, if you allow them to come in, will knock those things out of your life if you will receive what they say. But most of the times, people will argue me to their death that they're right, even though that clearly it's wrong. And so here's, here's my prayer as we close. I hope that you understand that there are blind spots in your life. Every single one of us have them. If you sit here today and go, well, I don't have any blind spots, please take that before the Lord. Please take that before God. But if you sit here today and you go, you know what? I do, I agree. I think there's blind spots in my life too. Oh man, grab a hold of this then and understand that we need one another. There are times where I will go to Pastor DJ or Rob or Pastor Darren and, 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 and say, hey, listen, this is how I'm thinking. Do you think that lines up? And there are times where they go, uh, no. Man, I thank God for those men in my life. Because if they didn't check me and sharpen me, man, even if I just go one or two degrees off, man, I'm way away from what God had planned for me. And so understand that we need to do this together. Final thought is this. Um, real quick question for you guys. Righteousness, faith, love, peace. On the count of three, I want you to yell out, is it a noun or a verb, each one of those words? One, two, three. <laughs> All over the place. Some say verb, some say noun. Look it up. They're all nouns, which means this. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace are not action points. They're person, place, or thing, which means that righteousness is a gift, faith is a gift, love is a gift, peace is a gift. Oh, when we get that, there'll be action in your life. But it's because you have an understanding of what God has done for you. And not out of, I got to do this to earn.
So chew on that this week. Let the Holy Spirit just ooh, put that into your heart. I'm going to pray and ask the prayer team to come up. Hey, I remembered. Ah! And if you need prayer, please um, receive that after I close. But Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this body of Christ that you have put in here that, that you begin to establish at Shine Church because I genuinely believe that the people that call this church home want to live life together. God, teach us what that looks like. God, instruct us in the things that we need to do so that we can do these things together as a body of Christ. And as we do this together, God, I pray that you would give us great revelation of how you see us, our place in you, the fact that we are your son, that we are your daughter, and you're proud to call us that, the fact that we have direct access to you, which means this, God, we have your ear, and you want to speak back to us. Oh, God, give us an understanding of that. Help us to live with that understanding. Help us to start our day from that place. And God, as we do, I pray that you would begin to speak to your children, speak to each one of us. Man, begin to give us clarity of hearing your voice. Help us to become good at hearing your voice so that we can step out into this world in agape love. And I got, and God, I believe with all my heart that as we do that, peace will be the thing. The wholeness will be the thing that begins to cover every person in this room. And here's, here's what's great, Jesus, is that a whole person is an attractive person and people in the world want to know what is different about that whole person. And they will pay thousands of dollars to try to get that wholeness. But your gift is free. And so help us to be whole so we can share the good news that you've given to us, to other people, in our family, in our community, in our workplaces, wherever we go. And so, Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, seal this word. The things that were from you, God, I pray people could not get away from. The things, if there's anything that I said in my flesh, God, may it be forgotten before they leave this room. And God, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen.